0: Hello and welcome to the Just DAO It podcast, the podcast for people starting DAOs. I'm Adam Miller and I'm your host. I'm the CEO of MyDAO, which provides legal entity solutions for DAOs. And prior to starting MyDAO, I did consulting for people starting and operating DAOs. I want to welcome our guest, Aaron. Uh, Aaron, would you please ge- give a brief introduction to yourself? And what I ask all of our guests is please try not to be humble. We want the audience to know how much of an authority on DAOs that you are, because you absolutely are. Um, so uh, would you please introduce yourself?
1: Absolutely. So happy to be here. So I'm Erin McGinnis. I've been working in Web3 for a couple of years now, and um, prior to that, I've done a lot of work in community building, startups, and really, how can we use technology to Better achieve whatever missions we might personally or collectively have and do so in a really efficient way. That led me into kind of the DAO space, of which I'm the chief of staff at Talent DAO, which is an organizational scientist research and data analytics DAO. And then I'm also the chief science officer at Like Minded, which is primarily in the Web 2 realm, but focused on organizational belonging. So I'm able to sit at this intersection point of Web 2 and Web 3 and translate the most up-to-date research findings from both of those domains to push society as a whole forward.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. And for the audience, you may know by now, but we will start with the Just It news report for the first half of the podcast and then turn to the featured guest interview with Aaron for the second half. So let's do it. The Just It news report. I will be summarizing all the stories for the guests and for the audience and sharing my reactions. And then Aaron, I'll ask you if you have anything to add. And we'll try to think about what is relevant about these stories for people who are starting and contributing to DAOs. First story is from Kyler Wandler, and the title is, What is Sweat Equity Distribution and Why Should DAOs Care? This is a great article. It's very in depth. Uh, Kyler is a contributor at the DAO Research Collective, among other places. And the article talks about something that is already common in the traditional corporate world, which is um, giving stock options to people who um, uh, contribute to uh, companies in the traditional world, um, but extends it to how does this relate to DAOs and what's different about sweat equity when you're using tokens in Web3 as opposed to using stock options in Web2. Um, Now, I always like to say that one of the biggest differences between traditional stock and stock options and tokens is just how much easier it is to give out tokens than it is to give out stock options. And it's just really expensive in terms of all the documentation, the lawyers, the uh, process, the paperwork that you have to leverage when you're doing stock options. And so let's say we lived in a world where Starbucks wanted to give one stock option to every single person who buys a coffee. They literally couldn't do it. I mean, it would cost way more than the cost of a coffee to give a stock option to each person who does that. And the world of Web3 and DAOs, if Starbucks were a DAO or they had a DAO or they had a token and they wanted to give one token to everyone who bought a coffee, it's practically free for them to do. Um, and so that alone, you know, that change in the underlying infrastructure and cost of doing something like sweat equity or, um, you know, giving out something like equity tokens in a project um, totally changes the nature of how it can be implemented. And what Kyler talks about, among other things, is uh, the, also the philosophy in the world of DAOs and Web3, where there is just a different um, thought process on how you should use you know, sweat equity, which is basically giving something like equity, something like tokens in return for contribution, in that the world of Web3, often people are trying to keep things more equitable between the people who start a project, the people who manage a project, the people who contribute to it, um, and even, you know, people like customers and others. Um, And I do think that is really one valuable thing that we see a lot of DAOs doing. Aaron, what are your thoughts on sweat equity in the world of DAOs?
1: Definitely. I think it's such a powerful mechanism and tool to be able to help people and organizations take that next step towards their mission in a way that can really leverage the collective power of the people who are backing it or who are interested in seeing that mission come to life. Now we have the means to do so. And within um, just kind of the abilities of tokens in general, it's also able to evolve through kind of consensus over time, but evolve with the needs of the organization. Whereas, like you were mentioning, all the different legal fees and just even processing that has to happen to be able to make some of those collective organizational decisions in traditional organizations, the barrier to do so is so high that It's oftentimes insurmountable. Whereas now we have the ability to make those different necessary pivots and probably be more successful in achieving whatever that long term mission is in the long run. Um, One other aspect that comes to mind as well is in DAOs, there's often a much more mission orientation to them that attracts people in compared to other organizations where some of the other Maybe immediate monetary incentives are what is attracting people in. So being able to have an equal value exchange still be happening and having people feel valued in the work and contributions that they're doing, um, this equity just allows that to happen so much more easily.
0: Yeah, you know what also makes me think of is you can even use this concept of sweat equity in the crypto world and the DAO world when you're dealing with a nonprofit organization. Right in in the traditional world, you would never say, "Hey, if you, you know, for every hour or every year that you put into this nonprofit, we're going to give you one percent of the voting rights on the board." It's just you just don't do it. You can't have a board with more than twenty people, fifteen people, and usually the board is people who have donated a ton of money to the organization or have a really long track record of of board service. But now in crypto, you can have a nonprofit or just a community-based organization where um, even if the quote-unquote sweat equity is just governance rights and doesn't necessarily have a financial value, um, that could still be really valuable and encouraging and engaging to give people that type of sweat equity.
1: Absolutely. I think with some of the shifts in the upcoming like rising generations, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, there's the sense of, oh, we probably won't own a lot of things later on in our lives. So being able to have a sense of ownership over the things we're involved with and what that's working towards in the world, allowing these generations to have a bit more hope and just feel like there's purpose or meaning in all of it. Um, I think this is a great mechanism to kind of evolve with those shifts and just the generational trends within within the workforce as a whole. And it also allows organizations to tap into the exact expertise talent that they need at different stages. An organization traditionally wouldn't be, oh, let's give XYZ person some equity for doing this really critical task at this early stage. And maybe that person then box out and doesn't engage much afterwards, but people are able to engage with the work that draws them in, contribute in these really powerful and meaningful ways, and also create this work-life balance that's completely in alignment with what they want their life to look like um, and still feel compensated, supported in a meaningful way throughout that journey.
0: Yeah. So when you say um, that this next generation alpha, you know, may not uh, own uh, a lot compared to prior generations, are you talking about things like the uh, 1099 economy where if you can just order an Uber, why would you own a car? And if you could rent an apartment, why would you buy a house? And is that kind of what you're referring to?
1: So I think there are a couple of different trends happening. One is this sense of the gig economy really kind of starting to gain a bit of traction right now and DAOs are absolutely i think a really powerful kind of realm within that whole space that can allow for some analytics of okay how does this actually play out when people have gigs at multiple different organizations are they able to support themselves are those organizations productive and taking the right steps forward so the gig economy is absolutely one component of it I think another component is um, just seeing from older Gen Zs, Millennials, all of the student debt and other types of debt that's accumulated and how limiting that might be on their lifestyles um, and just really not seeing the benefit of going that route as frequently or kind of as much of the population of those younger generations are starting to question do we have to go this traditional route? Is that route the right route for me? And for some people, it may not be. Um, so that's another component to it. And those kind of more constraints on finances definitely comes into play with, oh, do I want to own a house? Or even trends of, do I want to have a family? Those are things, constructs that are being questioned now. And some of the recent conversations around network stake of, oh, these things used to be fixed in our society, but now they're a variable. Like they weren't completely fixed before, but it was a bit more of a standard, an expectation for a lot of different families to kind of project onto their children that, oh, you're going to go to college and then you're going to get married and then you're going to have kids and have a nice pretty house and X, Y, Z and have this corporate job that you stay in for 20 years or until you retire. A lot of those different milestones along the way are now variable and DAOs provide a means for people to explore what option out of those variables they want to have be a part of their life and what they want at this particular stage, knowing that it can evolve over time and they can choose a new state of existence for them in their future.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, All right, we'll move on to the next story. Um, By the way, that article from Kyler Wandler is on the Tally blog on Medium, if you want to find it. And the next article is from Spruce, and the headline is Decentralized Identity and Web 3. Decentralized Identity is the continual catalyst that will unlock a new host of use cases on top of those existing paradigms talking about everything happening in Web3, like NFTs and DAOs and DeFi, etc. So uh, decentralized identity or DID we've brought up before on the show. It's a really interesting concept that's been part of the dream of blockchain since um, pretty early on, at least early on in in the days of Ethereum and and app uh, blockchains. And uh, the idea is that we'll all have something that functions something like a login or a driver's license or you know, any of the things that we think about from the traditional world that help us prove who we are, in Web3, we can have forms of identity that are much more flexible and that do things like preserve privacy in much more powerful ways while still allowing you to prove things about yourself. And so a good example is you know, in the traditional world, if I wanna prove that, let's say I wanna prove that I went to MIT, that I have a diploma. And um, it, for an employer to figure out that I really am who I say I am, and I really went to MIT and I really got this grade, they're gonna have to collect a ton of information about me. They're definitely gonna need like my social security number, my driver's license. Um, they're gonna need my address, all my information. Um, they're gonna have to get in touch with MIT and talk to the registrar's office and confirm you know, that I went there. Um, In the world of DID, it's going to be possible to prove individual things about yourself without having to give away all of that information. So, for example, if I want to prove that I have an MIT diploma, I'll be able to do that without even giving them my name if I don't want to. Um, And without giving them, um, certainly without giving them all the other information that shouldn't have to be relevant to be able to confirm something like that. Um, And similarly, if I just want to prove what my uh, name is and the other websites I've interacted with or businesses I've interacted with, I'll be able to do that. So um, later on in this article, um, the author talks about the implications for DAOs. And there are a couple of implications that, that he brings up um one is that in the context of delegation um it will be much easier to figure out who to delegate your voting power to and um how to delegate that because you will have verification about who you're delegating to and certain things about that person. So maybe like what other DAOs have they um, voted on issues for and been a delegate for? And have they done a good job? What have people thought about them? Are they trustworthy? Are they qualified Um, and relatedly for contributors to be able to demonstrate skills and certifications and experience contributing to DAOs in other ways, again, without necessarily, I mean, you're not going to give the whole community your passport or your driver's license. It just doesn't make sense in the world we live in. But so, but what if you could still prove, you know, who you are, what you've done, what you've contributed to, why you're qualified. And um, the other thing I'll mention on top of those two that I think is really exciting about DID and DAOs is that it may allow us to, um, to enforce one human, one vote voting structures that are very hard to enforce today if you can combine a DID with a proof of humanity or some kind of system that uh, ensures that you're only using one uh, identity uh, at a time in in each DAO in terms of your voting. Um, So Erin, tell us, uh, what do you think about DID in the world of DAOs?
1: I think it has the potential to really transform how decisions are made by giving people who are, like, have an expertise in a particular domain, the ability to exert that expertise and knowledge in kind of proportional and corresponding ways. Um, In other organizations, just because somebody might have been around longer or might be in a position of leadership or power, they're, for some reason, given this level of a heavier weight in terms of votes of what decisions might be made compared to somebody who actually has deep expertise in a particular domain that really actually knows what they're talking about. Um, I would much rather be existing in organizations or have organizations that kind of operate society around us being driven by the people who have the expertise to be making the most informed and best decisions for that organization. Within the DID space, some different tools that I'm really excited about are what Orange Protocol is building, focused on reputation systems. And as you have those different contributions, how can that credentially live on some sort of a profile for you that can also follow you across different spaces? Also, Opsize Holonym, Um, some of their applications within DAOs in particular, of being able to just verify the off-chain credentials and tying that to your on-chain persona um, and allowing that to help you kind of position yourself or allow other people to trust the different contributions you're making or recommendations you're making in a much deeper way, I think is really powerful and can allow in this kind of realm of Anonymous personas and avatars um, to be able to have that level of personal trust between beings and entities that is missing, I think, in a sense right now.
0: Yeah. And I guess part of the reason it's missing is that we value in a lot of DAOs and in the DAO community, the ability for someone to be pseudonymous if they want to, right? So to come in with their Discord ID, and it's really valuable, at least in the sense that you don't have to know anything about someone to be able to work with them, right? Except that hopefully they're doing good work, right? Their, their ethnicity, race, religion, age, uh, gender, nothing right? And it's really common in DAOs not to know those things. And maybe you get on a voice chat and you hear their voice, but you rarely, uh, at least in a lot of DAOs, you don't generally see the people that you're working with even on video. Um, And so that's really Mm -hmm. powerful. But if you could combine that with a way of knowing important things about the person that are relevant to whether they'll do a good job in your DAO, that's really powerful. Um, So yeah, it's a great point.
1: Yeah. And I don't think it even has to be that you need to know exactly what all of their history is You just need to know that they're credible. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily need to know exactly what, let's say, educational background or all the different publications somebody might have produced. But I might want to know, oh, they've published in this many number of articles and this many different journals in kind of the traditional world that I can then trust that they're a solid researcher when I'm engaging with them in the DSI or TalentDAO or some of these other spaces. And that can be expanded to every other skill set as well.
0: Yep, Awesome. All right. Next article is from Coindesk. And the headline is Ethereum is getting cheaper to use even before the merge. Fees and on-chain use are leveling out by Daniel Kuhn. Um, So uh, this article I like because it's been really fun that uh, gas fees have been lower. Um, and all kinds of things that you might want to do in web three. Maybe traditionally you would have had to use a, a layer two, you know, some kind of a scaling solution. Or some blockchain other than Ethereum, um, because the prices on Ethereum were prohibitively high. And the example I want to give that's relevant to DAOs is, you know, back in I think late last year, I was experimenting with a lot of DAO tech platforms. Um, so a, a couple mm-hmm. examples are like a DAO House, which runs on the Moloch underlying DAO smart contracts, or a syndicate.io, which is an investment DAO tech platform. And I remember a syndicate especially um, because it was really cool. But it was only on Ethereum, at least at the time, and I really wanted to try it out. So I created my own DAO one morning. Um, I was really excited. I really enjoyed it. And it cost me hundreds of dollars just to like spin up a DAO in terms of creating the smart contracts and maybe doing a sample proposal. Um, and right now, I think something like that would cost probably 10% as much, like maybe 15 instead of $150. And so this is a great time for anyone who's thinking about getting into the DAO space to go experiment. With tools. Um, You know, find uh, a DAO platform or DAO tool that runs on chain that you think is interesting and play with it because um, gas fees are really low right now. And so it it won't cost you as much as it normally would. Um, Aaron, what do you think?
1: Kind of expanding off of just gas fees into the overall market, having been in a bit more of a bearish state. People as well as technologies are a lot more accessible right now. So if there's different Mm. work that's being done across different DAOs, some people might have had to focus on other jobs that they might have currently. So there might be need there for people to step up into different roles. So there's a lot of opportunity at this point in time to reach out, test out other tools, technologies, chains, whatever it might be. Um, As well as reaching out to different DAOs that are doing cool things that you might want to be a part of. And there's just so much opportunity to play here and design what you want your involvement with these different tools or with these different DAOs to look like.
0: Mm, I love that. Yep. Great time to try to get involved. It's the build market, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, uh, next article also from Coindesk by the same author is called uh, How to Get into Seed Club, the Y Combinator of Web3. The popular DAO Accelerator offers a 12 week crash course for building a token project. So um, this is cool. If you're thinking about starting a DAO, first of all, just DAO it. And second of all, check out Seed Club because they are offering a incubator of sorts for uh, DAOs that are looking to grow and expand. Um, and uh, it looks like Seed Club is not necessarily offering funding as part of this round, um, but they are offering uh, advice and a community um, and uh, networking and connections, um, helping uh, DAOs uh, take it to the next level. Now, Aaron, anything to add here?
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of seed club, like some of the most cohesive, powerful DAOs and powerful in the sense of really taking those meaningful next steps towards whatever their mission or goals are um, and doing so in a way that really engages a large number of the people who are connected to their organization. A lot of those DAOs have come out of seed clubs, accelerators. So um, I think they somehow do a fantastic job of helping to facilitate really great formation of a DAO and also being able to lean into some of those people elements and have that underlying proper technological foundation to be able to grow, scale, maintain effectively. Um, yeah, cool. definitely. There's so many wonderful resources out there to help people structure, and scale their missions in cool ways. So definitely take advantage of those and the network effects that come with it.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I wasn't actually personally familiar with Seed Club. um, So I'm really glad that you were and you could share the insight that they've been really successful um, with helping DAOs. Are there other resources you'd recommend? I mean, anything else like Seed Club for someone starting a DAO, anything like an incubator or other resource you'd recommend they check out?
1: So, one of the first kind of programs that I went through when I got into the Web3 space was Kernel, um, which was originally out of Gitcoin. They're now kind of spinning out into their own entity of sorts. Um, And just the network effects that come there and the support that it provides of being able to pursue different ideas. It's not necessarily DAO explicit. However, a lot of the different people who are building. Through those different fellowship programs, end up creating DAOs. So, or getting connected to the right other people that can allow your DAO to keep moving forward. Um, so, that's one program that I personally went through and enjoyed. Um, I think a lot of these other funds that are becoming super crypto web three focused are starting to build out different accelerator, incubator type programs as well. And for DAOs that are potentially sitting more on the cusp of Web3 and Web2, I think that can be a great bridge into leveraging traditional kind of ways of operating that we know can work within kind of that traditional realm, while also having this solid knowledge of different advisors, investors, mentors, network um, in that Web3 space as well. I know Outlier has some different programs. Um, there's also some around altcoins that can tie into different DAO focuses too. There are just so many different that are popping up with specific focuses, whether you're looking at DeFi or ReFi or Kind of whatever your main objective is. So I think finding different ones that are a bit specialized to your particular DAO's focus as well can just allow you to really step into a bit of a thought leader in that space.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if, if what you mean by altcoins uh, is, you know, I'm aware of some of the alternative layer one blockchains have huge sums of money that mm-hmm. they'll give as grants to people starting projects on their chain and or leveraging their chain in some mm-hmm. way even and so um, i know near protocol is one that has a big fund for dows that want to launch on near and i think polygon has a program as well for yeah. dows um, and so if you're starting a dow but you don't necessarily care which chain you're on right i, I know in a lot of People I know who are starting DAOs, the chain—they don't even know about the chains yet, right? That's kind of like a secondary concern, um, and so it may be worth looking for a blockchain where they have a fund and might be willing to support you, and then you know, give you can give their chain a try. Absolutely. Uh, next article, also from CoinDesk, um, by Eli Tan. The article is: A DAO that literally wants to party on the moon just sent a viral YouTuber to space. MoonDAO purchased two blue origin tickets as part of its larger mission to explore the cosmos after raising eight million dollars i chose this article because it's fun Um, in case anyone thought that during the bear market no one was having any fun or raising any money it's not the case Uh, moon raised eight million dollars from its community and sent someone into space I think to go just one level deeper here in terms of what this means for DAOs. i mean it, it i just i love to try to draw the comparison between the traditional corporate world and the world of DAOs. you know if this project were a traditional project you know you would have had Um, A private company, maybe raising money for some kind of endeavor, maybe charitable, maybe not. Um, And if they're going to send anyone to space, it's probably going to be the CEO or uh, one of the early investors, or maybe they'll do like a random lottery. But with a DAO, everyone's going to decide together who you want to send to the moon. And it just feels different. I mean, when I imagine if I put myself in in the shoes of someone who either is like giving away their money and then never has any control over what happens next versus like contributing your money to something you share control over, even if you have a small percentage of control, it just feels totally different. And now when someone goes to the moon who could have been you, right? But now it feels like you're connected to it, like you're part of it in a way that I just don't think um, you can achieve with traditional organizational structures.
1: I completely agree with all of that. And going back to what we were talking about, how DAOs are a lot more, or they can be a lot more mission-oriented and have a deeper level of contribution from their different members. I think this is a fantastic example of that and also allows people, like you were saying, to feel that sense of, ownership and connection and responsibility for seeing that mission through in a way deeper way, which will allow us as a society to chase after some of these moonshot initiatives or visions that before we just didn't have the means to kind of gather that collective power to achieve.
0: Yep, so true. Um, next article from Cointelegraph by uh, Kieran Lyons. The headline is, mental health support prime for decentralization, say academics. A shortage of mental health services in the future could be solved with a Web3 powered mental health support network, suggests academics. These academics include some uh, researchers and professors from John Hopkins University in Baltimore, and. I think what's interesting here is that when I first saw the headline, I was thinking, oh, this must be about providing mental health support to DAO contributors, because sometimes just like working in a traditional company, um, it can be challenging from a mental health perspective. And if uh, your organization, your team isn't thinking about the physical and mental health of the people on the team, um, often you can have issues. And I've heard of really interesting people working on really interesting things in that space. But it turns out this article is actually about something different. This is about applying a DAO to the world of mental health, the, the overall world of mental health. And the suggestion is, to me, it's kind of like how in the world of mental health, you often have group therapy or, or like groups where people heal together by speaking with each other and being supportive of each other. And maybe there's a therapist in the room, maybe not, um, but that can actually be really productive. And one of the things this research suggests is, you know, what if you had a DAO where the purpose of the DAO is people are there to support each other and help each other and listen and speak with each other. And you get rewarded with tokens for whenever you help someone um, or whenever you show up to a group or whatever it is. Um, so I think it's a really interesting idea that I'd be certainly excited to see people try. Um, any reactions to this, Erin?
1: I love that. My first like, truly tech startup was in the mental health space. So anything that's pushing that whole realm forward, especially with um, newer ways of using technologies to achieve kind of that same goal of better mental well-being I'm a huge fan of and I think the people who would be attracted to this already have this underlying layer appreciation for the power of the collective and collective connection and how that can really have a transformative effect at the personal as well as kind of larger level. Um, I'm fascinated to see where, where that might be able to go and also what, other industries and spaces might be able to learn from it as well.
0: All right, next article, also from Cointelegraph, is uh, by Ezra Regrera. And the headline is Ethereum founder speaks against transferable governance, community responds. Vitalik Buterin wrote that supporting DAOs with transferable governance tokens is contradictory and enables the power hungry. So this is a really interesting one you know vitalik is someone who i always listen very closely to i read all of his articles and you know when someone uh i very much respect says something that sometimes conflicts with what i believe i try really hard to listen and and see if i can update my mental model and my view of the world and it's not the first time i've heard someone um, criticize transferable governance and i think what what he's talking about is basically using fungible, transferable, liquid ERC-20 tokens or something like them to represent governance rights in a DAO, and that when you do that, those tokens become a lot like stocks in the sense that the more money you have, the more you can buy. And so, um, you know, if you're a wealthy person compared to a poor person, you're going to end up with lots of governance rights in everything you're involved in, and the poorer person is going to end up with fewer governance rights in everything you're involved in if you use these types of liquid Um, tokens. And um, interesting that the article also called out the community responding. I mean, I like that too, because I think there really are two sides to this issue. Um, You know, I am a capitalist. I do believe in free markets. I also believe in thinking about, you know, how we can um, create regulations or systems that moderate some of the influences of capitalism and free markets that we don't like, you know, things like externalities. And and this is a good example, you know, um, the value of using uh, fungible liquid tokens can be, first of all, that you provide capitalization to a project, right? So by allowing the tokens to be traded, you basically get a market cap, even if they're just governance tokens that the community, the project can draw on to fund their work. So that's one really powerful thing that came from capitalism um, that, that can apply to DAOs as well. Um, And the other thing is, um, you know, the incentive mechanism whereby let's say everyone did have about the same amount of money um, and now you have DAOs Uh, in that situation, people are going to end up having more governance rights in the things that they care more about. And that's actually a good thing, right? Like I'm going to have governance rights for like my house and my yard and my town and the businesses I care about, the brands I care about, you know, why should I need, you know, the same amount of governance rights as other people in something I don't care about, and they don't need governance rights in the things I care about. And so using tradable tokens and and, and liquid tokens is a good way, you know, transferable governance rights is a good way to achieve that. Um, so uh, to me, this is a really important and interesting debate that I'm excited to see people in the DAO world uh, continue to uh, contend with. Um, Aaron, what do you think?
1: I can completely understand why that stance could be valuable at this stage right now. Going back to what we were talking about in terms of reputation systems and even with this mental health DAO, the ability to recognize the contributions that traditionally have been swept under the rug is not important. Even though having those glue-like people that provide the necessary support to folks at the exact moments when they need it or who are being these super connectors that allow for the formation of the right teams to come about or the right founders to come together or connecting the right new employee in traditional orgs into a specific department or role. Those people haven't been recognized at the level of contribution that they've been having. Right now, within the DAO space, I don't think we have all of those reputation systems completely built up in effective ways. And therefore, there isn't the support or backing to be able to say, okay, transfer of governance abilities um, is reasonable and we're able to see where that's going. And that's necessary because a lot of the kind of appeal of this space is the trust element, in my opinion. It's the ability to trust, okay, we can trust the technology, which will then govern how this organization operates. And with all of the distrust that has happened in kind of just history in general, especially across or for different specific subpopulations, um, being able to trust something really, really key. And that's a fantastic value prop that blockchain as a whole and DAOs built off of it, kind of is leaning on. So at this stage, I can understand that. I don't know if that will completely stand as the space of DAOs as a whole continues to evolve and refine those different mechanisms to still maintain that trust for its people and members.
0: Um, Awesome. All right, that is going to do it for the Just DAO news report for this week. Um really excited to turn to the featured guest interview with Aaron and dig a bit more into your own experiences and your thoughts and your advice for people starting DAOs. Um, so, uh, first of all, Aaron, would you tell us a little bit more about your background and also how you got into Web3 and DAOs in the first place?
1: Absolutely. So, my first kind of real step into web3 was building an augmented reality NFT creator app. So, really interested in how can we give creators a bit more autonomy to be able to kind of take that next step forward? And at the time when we started building this a couple of years ago, um there was this massive disconnect between web3 and NFTs and kind of the rest of the world. Right now, there's, I think, still a bit of a divide, but at least it's in mainstream media now that some general folks who aren't deep into this space may have heard of Web3 or NFTs or DAO or crypto, something in this whole domain. Um, So yeah, the really kind of main objective of using augmented reality, also taking a mobile approach to that was how can we meet artists, creators, people in general, where they're at today, which is, I think, one realm within Web3 and DAOs that could be improved across the board, is just how can we better meet the people who are interested in the work we're doing in a way that helps them take that first step forward rather than fire hosing them. This is how DAOs work. Welcome to Discord and a thousand channels. Um, (laughs) So yeah, my first entry point was really from the augmented reality NFT angle. And then from there was just kind of enthralled by the community aspect of it and just, Finding so many other people who operate and are oriented in a similar way to me in the sense that thinking about, okay, what does the future of the world look like and how can we optimize that using people, technology, and collective powers of each of those domains. Um, So from there, stepped into a bit of a consulting advising type of role for different startups, corporations, all across the board in different domains. And helping them take those first steps of thinking through, okay, what might our Web3 strategy look like? How can this be applied to legacy industries that may not, at first glance, seem to be particularly primed or welcoming of some of these different technologies or approaches, even though... One of the amazing things about DAOs, about blockchain, and about the people movement that is happening here is the ability of it to be adapted and molded to fit all of these other spaces. Um, so, yeah, from kind of that advising consulting type of role, then I came across DeSci, which is decentralized science. My original background's in neuroscience. I've done research across five different natural science domains. So being able to combine these two realms of blockchain, which I just love the applications of it, with this whole kind of underlying personal mission passion area has been super fulfilling and fun on a personal level.
0: That's awesome. And uh, for the audience, um, what is DSI?
1: Yeah, so DSI stands for Decentralized Science. And... Right now, a lot of it happens to be focused within the biological, biotech, um, kind of future medical applications of it. A lot are also focused on longevity research. Um, So really kind of looking towards how can we as DAOs leverage collective power to push all of humanity forward or help us kind of live healthier, better lives while we have this time here on Earth. And within that whole space though, there are some absolutely amazing um DSI landscape maps that um some folks from the ultra rare podcast have built out and it really helps people visualize, okay, these are the different DAOs within DSI focused on funding. These are the ones focused on research at this early level. Um, These are the ones focused on knowledge sharing across maybe traditional Web2 labs, um, as well as a whole bunch of different domains. So the whole ecosystem is starting to form these different clusters and one reason why I think the DSI space in particular is super valuable is due to the fact that traditional institutional science has often had a very competitive edge to it, where there's this lack of collaboration and lack of knowledge sharing, which results in duplication of efforts, of projects, of building out the exact same platforms when... If they just collaborated in a bit more of an open source, open science type of way, we might have actually been able to push things forward and improved our lives or applied that research in meaningful and powerful ways.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I had a call with some of the founders from HairDow, and when I got on the call, they all had amazing hair. And uh, I have no hair, and I thought, oh, this is going to be awkward. But it turned out they're actually working on hair, you know, replacement and hair um, recovery uh, mm-hmm. type uh, science, which I love because I mean, I, I, can't, I I'm not going to trust my hair salon that's trying to sell me bottles for like forty dollars a bottle of some kind mm-hmm. of thing. I have no, I just can't trust them, right? I don't know if it's really going to work or not, if it's worth it or not. Same thing with ads I see on TV. I can't trust those either. But if I were part of a DAO. And we were, you know, working on figuring out good solutions for hair loss together, um, I think I would trust it. And and, and maybe I'd actually find a solution and and I'd still have some hair.
1: Yeah. And going back to the idea of reputation, identity, trust, um, there's a lot of really cool work being done in that space within DSI as well. One concept that's coming about, um, kind of originally crafted by Molecule, which is also helping to spin out other DeFi DAOs, is this idea of IP NFTs. So intellectual property being able to be assigned to NFTs that can then be transferred or um, shared earlier, kind of in the journey, or have those original scientists be able to still be involved or have some different revenue streams too, as their discoveries are monetized in the pharmaceutical realm, especially. Um, on the flip side of that, what some of the work we're doing at Talent DAO is building out a journal of decentralized work. And with that, we are building in a whole reputation layer. So as people review or leave commentary on the other publications that are accepted into this journal or in the review of those articles. Um, reputation is built up over time so then other members who may not have the time capacity to be involved in that level can delegate their stake or voting powers to voices um, of contributors who they really trust to be able to represent their points of view and being able to track that contribution of knowledge exchange and also analysis kind of across the research realm, I think can be super transformative and allow for earlier stage scientists to really take those next critical career steps, rather than being stuck in this hierarchical process that Mm. academia has traditionally allowed only certain people to really succeed in.
0: Yeah, such a good point. Um, So tell us a little bit more about the projects that you're working on right now.
1: Yeah. So I've mentioned a few so far. Um, One is Talent DAO, which is doing research on anything organizational science. So people, structure, organizational design um, of other DAOs. So we kind of do collective research across different DAO ecosystems, working with a couple different chains right now, as well as um, working with individual DAOs to help Those different leaders or just the DAO as a whole understand, oh, here are different opportunity zones uh, to better engage our people, or here are some different structures that might allow for better incentivization models based on what the interests of the people that are part of that DAO are looking for, in addition to providing different tooling, data, analytics, reports, um, both at that individual DAO as well as the collective level, And helping people who are forming new DAOs take kind of those first steps forward in a really informed way. One way that we might be a bit different than a couple other DAOs or groups focused on in a similar type of realm of trying to understand this space, all of the kind of original founders, core contributors, and the vast majority of our DAO are organizational scientists. So we're trained in the scientific research methodology and that's one of our really core components and values is maintaining that level of rigor and detail and um, just overall operations to the work that we do so that other people, the entire ecosystem um, or other DAOs can trust the outputs that we're producing at a much deeper level. So I'm kind of working in a chief of staff type role there helping to spin out a few different squads right now. We just got um, a grant squad up and running as well as a finance operations forming up our tokenomics one right now with some exciting updates coming soon this fall. um, We have a developer squad research guild and are really kind of building out all of those different teams. So If different folks are interested in getting involved and understanding the DAO ecosystem at that kind of overarching bird's eye view level, but also diving into the details, we have opportunities across marketing, across research, across all of these different domains as well.
0: Hmm. Full-time and part-time opportunities? or
1: Yeah. So one of the really exciting things about DAOs is if somebody is... Aligned, We have opportunities that can take as short as five minutes a week, Mm -hmm. Um, and that can be how somebody contributes towards this mission of Mm -hmm. the future of work or better DAO organizational kind of structure and knowledge, um, as well as much more full-time capacity. And it's really kind of flexible to the interest skill sets, availabilities of the people that want to be a part of it.
0: And where can people find those opportunities if they're interested?
1: Yeah. So if you just search TalentDAO, especially on Twitter or LinkedIn, we'll pop up there or talentdao.io is our website. Um, and then we'll help get you incorporated into the community on Discord, um, which is primarily where we're operating. We're, we've been playing and testing a lot of different tools for management as well. Um We've still found Notion to be a great kind of overall knowledge sharing platform there, um, but have been testing out with Wonder and Dowhook and some other tools to be able to both manage tasks and better onboard people.
0: Yeah. I, you know, And I just want to say for a second how much I love Discord. I, I know people have positive and critical things to say about it, but it just brings me back to around 1993 when I was eight years old and I first got interested in the internet. Um, I was using AOL, dial-up, and I was going into mm-hmm. chat rooms and talking to people about stuff. And it was probably like soccer and baseball and making websites because those were the things I was into um, at that time. And now we're back uh, having our communities online and chatting online so um yeah people should definitely go check out the discord if they want to find uh, and get to know talent though
1: definitely yeah and a couple other organizations i'm involved with um i'm the chief science officer at like-minded which is a tool to help scale organizational belonging so using a psychology personally backed assessment and algorithm to help drive human connection through connections, um, compatibility, matching. So we'll introduce you to specific other people within your company, your DAO, your organization, your community, whatever kind of entity it might be that is engaging with it um, to really drive that deeper level of connection. And how I think this is really applicable in the DAO space is a lot of DAOs are forgetting they the autonomous part of it and being able to leverage technology to automate some of these different components that we're claiming are valuable or we're doing within DAOs. But there are so many other operations that are needing to be focused on or that underlying mission that sometimes just DAOs are forgetting that there are tools that can help kind of scale that up and take the people oversight out of it, in a sense, to really drive those different missions. And belonging and people connection component of DAOs, I think, is one of the kind of biggest underlying attractors into the space or what can really help retain members in, especially when DAOs are just getting started and may not have the means to compensate people in other types of ways immediately. But that network effect. is a way of exchange that can be happening. So yeah, um, within like-minded, we're doing a lot of really fascinating work across a lot of different organizations and are excited to be able to apply everything we know within the Web2 realm of connection within large corporations, organizations that operate really efficiently and effectively into the DAO and Web3 space too. Mm.
0: Where can people find like-minded?
1: Yeah. If you search the like-minded company on Twitter or LinkedIn as well, otherwise like-minded.ai, all of these different organizations are also linked in my Twitter, which might be (laughs) the easier way to find a couple of them. Yep. And um, yeah, it's People can also take the assessment for free on our website. So if they're just personally interested in better understanding their own personality and communication style in particular, um, they can check that out there. And we've classified people into 12 different archetypes, which is one approach that can really help DAO leaders better understand, especially the onboarding process where I think a lot of DAOs are losing out by not understanding the different cognitive types that people have. Right now, Discord and therefore a lot of DAOs are really oriented towards people and personalities that are love a lot of novelty and excitement and fast-moving happenings, but it may not be as oriented or welcoming to folks who might really enjoy traditional systems and ways of operating. Um, and people who have this more traditional way of operating are what allows for organizations to maintain, which allows them to grow in the long run. So for the sustainability of DAOs, being able to attract and create a space of belonging for all different cognitive types is essential and I think as an entire ecosystem and space, we're doing a great job for specific cognitive types, but not across the board, which is preventing a lot of DAOs from scaling or really reaching their missions effectively.
0: Mm, such a good point. I love that. Um So that's an interesting challenge that you brought up that a lot of DAOs are facing. Um, Let's turn to trying to identify and address common challenges that DAOs face um, for the audience and give some advice. Um, What are some of the most common challenges or what's the most common challenge you've seen DAOs face in their early days and how would you address those challenges?
1: Yeah, I have seen a lot of DAOs really lean into the community, the collective decision-making abilities that DAOs are oriented towards. However, they very frequently are getting slowed down from actually being able to progress forward by maintaining this very, very collective way of making decisions and making, wanting everybody's input on decisions that don't, necessarily need everybody's input on. Certain design elements, going back to the idea of experts being able to have a weighted say in what they have expertise in, um, there needs to be some level of structure from the get-go for people to be able to operate in the ways that they have knowledge and background and expertise in or in the skill sets that they're able to contribute. And to be able to create some of that structure, sometimes it may need to feel a bit centralized in a sense to get started. People like having something they can grasp onto, something their brain can wrap around and really um, understand. And most people have previously worked in a Web2 realm, or we've at least lived in a Web2 realm of operating and engaging where there are hierarchies, there are explicit roles to get started with and creating that level of psychological safety where somebody feels confident and knows that they successfully completed one task for this organization have built up even that small inkling of trust, even if it was a five minute task can allow people to then feel that they have this autonomous power to be able to implement the ideas or visions that they have based on the skill sets background that they have expertise in, um, to really allow the DAO to be able to do whatever it says it wants to be able to do. So summed up, basically, at those beginning stages, there may need to, it may need to feel a little bit centralized to be able to form this underlying foundational mission and ways of operating. And then once that's formed, it can always be edited, and that's where the collective community, really DAO essence of it, can come into play. But if there's nothing there, people don't have anything to grasp.
0: Hmm. Is structure a good word for it too? Is that something that DAOs need early on? And, and within that structure, people then can feel autonomy and and freedom and, and the safety they need to contribute?
1: I think so. Um, Within the DAO space, going back to the idea of the different cognitive and personality types, it is attracting a lot of folks who have very individualistic qualities. So enforcing too much structure might push away some of those folks. And a lot of people who are oriented in this type of way would be those very early stage adopters. And we're still in this kind of early stage of the whole DAO ecosystem. So it makes sense. That's who a lot of the folks that are here, kind of how they're oriented. Um, with that said, it a lot of people who might be oriented in that type of way could be fantastic at initiating or forming that initial foundation or vision setting, but may not be the right people to maintain those systems. And if maintenance is a goal of your DAO or being able to exist a few months from now or years from now, let alone whatever moonshot missions, um, beyond that DAOs may have structures an absolutely essential component.
0: Cool. Awesome. Makes sense. Um, people may hear my dog in the background. I'm not sure a little bit of a uh, squeaking since I haven't given her any attention since I woke up this morning and rolled right to the mic. Um, but, uh. Let's turn to the next question. Um, what about, uh, Aaron? challenges that DAO, you've seen DAOs face a little bit further along in their development and how those...
1: Yeah, so as DAOs continue to evolve, I think some of them might be moving so fast or scaling really rapidly in terms of the number of different people that are in their Discord or know about who they are or might own one of their NFTs or tokens, whatever engagement with that DAO looks like. However, there isn't always as much um, of a pause, reflection, analysis of, okay, what's actually working well? How can we better engage all of these different people? Are these people even still engaged? Like, yes, they might own this NFT that says they're part of the DAO, but do they even consider themselves a part of this? And if not, how can they as a DAO, kind of help people feel that sense of connection at a deeper level. Um, so a lot of the work we're doing at Talent DAO is really kind of investigating those different components of it and trying to explore and help DAOs really explore how can they be better analyzing what they've done so far. And position themselves for those next stages of growth, engagement, um, or just better efficiency.
0: Yeah, it reminds me a lot of what we used to just call engagement at the company I used to work for. You know, tradfi company, um, and that was like the summary term that we used for like how happy are people? Are they showing up? Are they contributing? Are they? comfortable? Do they feel safe? Right? All of these things kind of boiled up into an engagement survey and engagement score. Um, Is that a good summary term to use in the world of DAOs as well?
1: Yeah, Um, I think just understanding what engagement looks like, and also what, as a DAO, you care about. Mm. So relying on Web2 surveys and tools to measure that engagement may not be the right approach. And mm. being able to leverage I think
0: it's
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most <laughs> likely is not. Um, maybe maybe there's some cases where they're perfectly suited, but being able to adapt what we know from web two and transfer it into web three. And also vice versa. There's all this incredible knowledge about what motivates people, how people like to contribute and engage with organizations that we're collecting in web three that can be funneled and transferred back to web two and could completely kind of evolve how those organizations, teams, departments, initiatives are operating and help people be able to craft a life that's synergistic with the work they do in a way that feels good to all parties involved.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, What about, Erin, just what's your favorite piece of advice or number one piece of advice you would give to people who are starting DAOs today?
1: Focus on people. Um, Like DAOs are coming about because we have this interesting, cool technology that can allow for greater trust and just ways of operating. But people are still behind it. And deciding how those tools are used and which tools are used, and if they'll continue to be used. And for DAOs to be able to operate, yes, we have this autonomous and this decentralized component, but people are still this essential key factor of it. And people need to feel like they belong within your DAO. Otherwise, they're not going to stick around. They aren't going to contribute in as deeper, of meaningful of a way as they could be. And your organization, your mission, your objectives, whatever your DAO is centered around, is missing out on that. And I think the world is too, especially because so many DAOs that are coming into existence have this beautiful, amazing mission to it. And if the fact that they aren't being fulfilled at this wonderful big level is because we forgot about the people and how to make them feel like they belong and leveraging tools to help that be achieved. That seems silly to me.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting that DAOs came out of the world of technology, but really they're all about people. And, and maybe that's actually true about all technology. At the end of the day, really, technology is just about how people live and operate and work. Um, but uh, at the same time, I feel like now that we have folks like yourself and Talent um helping lead the way, we're going to be able to take DAOs to a level that would not have been possible if it was just engineers building tools for People to interact as opposed to people thinking about how people interact.
1: Completely. One, um, one really personally interesting kind of application of this is the work we're doing at CureDAO, which is another DAO I'm a core contributor on, and it's really focused on the, the health-related data pipelines and data exchanges and how we can create this underlying data ecosystem that allows all of the different digital health apps and partners and players involved to be able to engage and have knowledge transfer in a way that people feel that they can individually own their own health data, also be able to monetize it and have it contribute to the greater knowledge set. and. Some of this different technology, um, there could have been pathways to achieve this previously. But within the health and scientific ecosystem, there wasn't this sense of collaboration. There wasn't this sense of, oh, yes, we can all trust this underlying technology to achieve our individual goals, which is all in alignment with this much greater mission. So we'll focus on our corner, our product of it. And then work into this whole ecosystem map. Um, and that comes back to the people connection component of it, supported by the underlying technology. In my mind, Web3 and DAOs and blockchain as a whole isn't about the technology. It's about what the technology allows people to do and how they can design their interactions with one another in a way more powerful way.
0: Mm. That's awesome. So turning to tools specifically, because we still do love tools in the space of DAOs, um, you've mentioned a lot of awesome tools already. Any other favorite tools or interesting tools that you would recommend people check out?
1: Um, I would say just experiment. There are so many different ones popping up, even going back to the idea of Discord and different people either loving Discord or maybe not being as much of a fan of it. There are a lot of other options popping up on a continuous basis. Um, One that I am really intrigued and excited by is Console, which is just kind of leaning heavier into the idea that people are involved in multiple different DAOs and organizations. Being able to see that all in one place that isn't quite as overwhelming and can push what different tasks or important conversations are happening across the board into one more cohesive feed, I think will help allow people to better engage with all of the different organizations they're contributing to. Um, So this idea of curating information, libraries, another example of curation, not necessarily DAO explicit, but I think can be a platform that allows DAOs who have a specific Domain expertise or focus area to be able to curate knowledge in a more on-chain type of way that other people can then follow along with, um, and then I think just being able to use tools that enhance onboarding more effectively. So, Dao Hook is one that um, I'm a fan of of just being able to simplify. Okay, what is this organization? What is the first step I can take? where is all of this information kind of compiled in one easy user-friendly type of way, which is something that I think a lot of DAOs are missing. Even when I click into different discords, I'm like, I know I joined this, this discord for a reason, but I can't even find what the underlying mission of this is. So at minimum having a channel that says like the, Underlying mission, what your DAO is even about and where I can find your website in a super easy, semi-standardized way in terms of I can just look at the top of the Discord channels and be able to click there and remember why I joined in the first place, Um, I think can go such a long way. So it's little details that help people feel psychologically safe by leveraging technology. And then I guess just reiterating with like-minded, being able to automate those connections, all you need within an organization is one person who you feel connected to or one best friend to speak um, that allows you to really feel like you belong there and keeps you engaged in a much fuller capacity. So being able to leverage tools like like-minded connection platform can allow people to be able to feel that, and those feelings are what really drive the evolution of DAOs and their capabilities.
0: Yep, well, I'm really excited to check out Like-minded. I can't wait to take the test and and see what it, it says about me. Um, what about uh, any favorite DAOs other than the ones mm-hmm. you've already mentioned that people may want to check out? And if you want to repeat one you've already said, that's that's fine too. If you want to emphasize it,
1: yeah. I mean, as a whole, I'm just incredibly excited by the D size space um, and how we're able to take this whole knowledge and application of collective power and really transfer it into a domain that affects all of us, like our physical health and well being is something we can't run away from. Maybe it's not a primary factor right now, but as we continue to age, it will be a factor. And all of the different work that's going into that space, as well as how all of the DAOs within DSI are taking the knowledge and operations of what has worked well in Web 2 and taking that next step forward in Web 3 to kind of... Push the edges of what's possible, be able to explore research experiments that might have traditionally not gotten funding and now can because we have this new mechanism to do so. In addition to the fact that they still have to operate within a Web2 realm, the knowledge still has to be transferred to organizations that are Web2 and will continue to be Web2. So being able to bridge that effectively I think there's so many learnings from the desize space that can be applied to other industries, um, especially more legacy oriented industries that could feel a bit stagnated and really be positioned for newer approaches or ways of engaging and operating.
0: Just gave me an idea, which is to make sure the audience knows what we mean when we say Web two, because I think I was with some friends yes. recently, and I said it, and they were they kind of looked at me funny. Um, if I have it right, we kind of use Web two to refer to everything that came before, not just Web three as a technical thing, but like crypto, blockchain, decentralization, DAOs, mm-hmm. NFTs, like any element of the old world, the traditional world, whether it's just your old job, we'd call it Web2, whether it's, Mm -hmm. yes, of course, like an old website, we call it Web2 also. It could be like using a bank is kind of a Web2 thing to do, right? So do I have that right? And would you expand it all on the definition?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people have kind of their own interpretation of that, Hmm. but I completely agree with that definition. And I guess my main expansion would be in my mind, Web 2 and Web 3 is also a difference of mentality Mm. and mindset. So, the way people are perceiving the world and how they interact with it, both individually and how they interact with organizations, um, which is completely a component to everything you just outlined. But for me, that's the biggest differentiator. And some of this technology is just, the kind of more tangible means of which that mentality shift is occurring or where that differentiation can be played out.
0: Totally. I love it. All right, Aaron, this has been amazing. Um, It's been so awesome having you on the show. Um, Where can people find you and your projects on the web and on social?
1: Yeah. So I'm just at Aaron McGinnis on every platform um, and can find out more about a lot of the different projects and organizations that I mentioned on my website, erinmcginnis.com, as well as being linked in my Twitter profile, especially. So would absolutely love to connect with other folks who are working in this people relations, community engagement side of things, um, design and structure, and then anyone who is in the DSi space too, Um, or just folks who are interested in getting onboarded more effectively. I'm working on some different projects that help bring this whole realm of Web3 into the real world through a couple of different um, initiatives under an umbrella of Web3 in real life. So I'm definitely looking for collaborators and partners in in those initiatives as well.
0: Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at 0xThriller. You can find MyDAO, the legal legal entity solution provider for DAOs at MyDAODS, that's M-I-D-A-O-D-S on Twitter or MyDAO.org. Please consider liking us and leaving us a review uh, and send me questions or advice in terms of how I should interview future guests. Um, Again, Aaron, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me.
0: And audience, are you thinking about starting a DAO? Just DAO it. Just DAO it is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Just DAO it does not contain any legal or financial advice. My DAO also does not provide the or financial advice, and nor does your host, yours truly.